Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We started a new series last week called Unleash Your Brave. And the idea here is that there are times when maybe we've done it to ourselves, maybe we've just gotten bogged down by responsibilities or the weightiness of life. For whatever reason, we are not following hard after God. We maybe are discouraged and just can't take that one more step or we've just got more responsibility than we signed up for or other responsibilities have just sucked the life out of us. For whatever reason, there is this sense that we are just leashed. And I gave this example last week of our dog we had named Freddie who who had been injured and, and we had to crate him and leash him for about eight weeks for this leg injury. And I just noticed about him that it wasn't what he was made to do and he was miserable. And that's kind of the way it is for us. God did not design us to do what is not natural for his creation. He has purpose for us. He wants us not to be timid, not to be fearful, and a host of other things that we cower to on a daily basis. Instead, he wants us to be unleashed and unleash our brave. So that is the context for where we're going. And the best place I thought we would hunker down is in the book of James because he's so practical in what he's presenting. So last week we focused on experiencing joy in badness. But James, as a whole, calls us to live in sort of a counterintuitive way. What does not come naturally to our natural tendencies and every fiber in our bones, that's why I would thought it would be such a good example. In just the first chapter, he is all up in our business, <laughs> challenging us to consider it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. That is what we looked at last episode. Then he instructs us to pray in absolute faith without doubting, which is what we often tend to do because believing in what has not yet happened or what we can hardly hope towards is hard, but it's what God calls us to do. He also calls us to be slow to get angry, to stop merely looking at ourselves and to care for those who cannot care for themselves and who are not being cared for in society. He presents this reality that there is an intricate relationship between possessing faith and actually walking it out in our daily lives. And that's just the high points. James is the perfect place for us to live in this series about how to unleash our brave. None of these things can we do without Jesus Christ living and working in us. He is the enabler to do what is not natural in difficult situations and in all things otherwise impossible to help us live differently. And this charge and encouragement is originally from a guy who absolutely blew it big time. He's totally transformed. It is the same Jesus who can take your experiences and your personality and your failures and your strengths and transform your life. Nothing, absolutely nothing 
is wasted. In my arena as a writer out in the world of audio and video production, I have just a few seconds to get someone's attention, especially if it's on a device. That's just the nature of the beast. So I utilize a traditional literary strategy called the hook to draw people in quickly. Advertisers use this constantly. The idea is to generate different strategies depending on your message and your audience to tap into the attention of the listener or the reader or the consumer or whoever it is you're aiming towards. Sometimes the hook is designed to create a shock effect. Other times it is used to play on your emotions or to say something completely unexpected. Something that would be the absolute opposite of what you would think would happen or be the normal response in that situation. When we read James, it sounds like he's trying to utilize this literary element to draw his reader in and get our attention. For example, this is what he does in chapter one. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That sounds like it might be something to draw your reader in and get your attention because it's totally the opposite of what we would normally do. What he is calling us to do here is so radically different, so diametrically opposed from the norm, we sort of cock our heads and tune our ears to understand more fully the message. But I don't think James is the sort of guy who's concerned about hooks and tapping into felt needs for literary purposes. Instead, he's simply calling to actually be the hook to those around us. As we dive into the passage today, Notice how it is not the traditional style of James. It is not going to be a bulleted list and jump around from challenge to challenge. Instead, it is focused on one idea, which in and of itself should strike us as interesting. Here is a guy who writes in bulleted lists, and he takes 12 plus verses to elaborate on one point. <laughs> it must be a big deal. And when we read it, you and I need to receive it that way. So here it is. This is chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. We put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us. We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell." For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and grapevines produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James makes it clear, no one gets a pass, not even and especially not him. When he says, not many of you should become teachers, 
for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Number one, it's absolutely connected and inseparable to everything that comes after about watching our words. Personally, most of you have no idea how I landed in front of a microphone providing reading plans for you version, publishing, speaking, etc. The natural assumption is that this is what I aspired to, and so that's what I became. <laughs> but this would be far from reality. I aspire to be a high school history teacher and preferably to teach economics. My spouse was on the way to becoming, he did not know what, <laughs> ranging some days between a farmer, a preacher primarily, and the most likely option for which he was applying for graduate school was a forest ranger. Did I mention we were married? Oh yes, we were married. <laughs> we were not running from the Lord. Uh, we were just living out our obedience. Those directions are just light years and galaxies from where he has us today. And honestly, I'm so glad because of the truth found here in James. The Lord basically had to hurl both of us into the places we are serving. If I am ever in the front, it's generally not because I threw up both my hands and played a banjo to get the spot. I am perfectly content holding up the back wall. But God has continued to thrust me elsewhere, out of my comfort zone and ever mindful of the great responsibilities associated with teaching. This is the key place I have had to learn how to unleash my brave. But then in the next verse, James broadens out the weight to include all of us with zero exclusions, for we all stumble in many ways. Where James takes his thinking on how grave the responsibility in teaching is, is straight into the watching out of our mouths, the ability to control what we say and what we don't say. You see, everything is connected, but James sees our words as very powerful in shaping our entire beings, positively and negatively. He seems to recognize it takes divine intervention to help us unleash our brave in terms of watching our mouths. In fact, he points out the impossibility of ultimately taming it, where he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. Then why are we talking about it, Jerry? Why waste the time? Well, it's simply a call to unleash your bravery, to trust God to enable you to do what you cannot. Kingdom purposes and to work impossibilities in and through your life using something as insignificant as your mouth. That's what we're here to do. But my mouth can't have that much of an impact, can it? I mean, kingdom purposes and impossibilities? Are you serious? Yes, I am. James offers two relatable examples to illustrate how such... That's my kitty cat, if you can hear the meow. <laughs> two relatable examples to illustrate how such a small part of our bodies can have such a powerful effect. The first example he uses is the bit in the mouth of a horse, and the second is the rudder on a ship. The point here is that you don't have to be a large person with a huge following to run a great company, serve as the president of something, or attempt to put yourself in front of multitudes to have great influence with your words. That's his point. If they're small pieces that have great influence. Then he gives us examples of how dangerous and harmful the tongue can be, and these are actually very disturbing. He takes this negative perspective, whereas Paul often will give you the negative and then the positive, put off the old self and then how to put the new self on, that sort of thing. James presents us with the negative. 
alone. <laughs> so we will need to extrapolate what the positive will look like because he doesn't say simply stop talking and keep it shut. If that was all he had to say, he could have already been done in chapter one because he already talked about that. But instead, he spent bukus of time addressing this issue of our words two chapters later, even after having covered it in this bulleted list in chapter one. Obviously, there's more to it than simply keeping your mouth shut. It's learning how to unleash it through bravery by watching and controlling how you speak. The first thing he talks about is that your mouth is a small fire, sort of like a spark setting off a greater fire. We saw this recently in the devastating fires in California where there was such loss of life and property such that we've never seen. The winds would just engulf entire vehicles. So many lives were lost. It was just devastating. Such destruction. James is familiar with the devastating nature fire can bring and furthers our responsibility in its calling by referring to the tongue itself as the fire, the very source of the destruction. He calls it a world of unrighteousness, which stains the whole body, sets the course of life afire, and is set on fire by hell itself. That is pretty severe if you really get down to brass tacks. Suppose you are having a girls weekend and you found a fabulous deal in a beautiful high-rise hotel. Your rooms are on 24th floor and you're headed down the elevator with a group for dinner. About floor number 16, you pick up another guest going down on the, out on the town who has clearly doused herself in about 4.6 ounces of some variety of Obsession or Britney Spears perfume. This fragrant woman has no idea she just obliterated all of the fresh air for the next 15.5 floors as you pray for a direct ride down. She can't smell it. She's just used to it. It's her perfume. She loves it and she wears it all the time at that potency. But everyone else is all too aware and cannot wait to get away from this person. It can be that way with someone who does not watch their mouth and allows their tongue to be untamed. It sets fires all over the place. That's what James is communicating. He helps us see the danger and the destructive power we have by nature of our mouths. He's so real, dadgummit. Then he starts messing with us about the inconsistencies we have with the way we speak. Talking about blessings and curses coming from the same source. Why do we do this? Because we are messed up, that's why. He says it shouldn't be this way. That's what James is crying. And then he gives us some examples and he tries to remind us how we are not the way we used to be. Believers in Christ are transformed. We're new creations. And he gives some examples. Spring with sweet water that cannot produce bitter water. Fig trees that don't produce olives. They only produce figs. Things like that. These were all recognizable, regular folk examples for the day. The point is that all of these produce what they're designed to produce. That is what we're aiming at in this series. We are designed for certain purposes. And the purpose James is aiming towards in this particular arena is that we use our mouths for his glory and his glory only. All of this weightiness he's laying upon us could cause a person to lose their motivation, saying, any possibility of controlling my tongue is hopeless, Cherry. I can't do this. You have no idea how far off I am on this one. Do not forget 
Jesus makes all the difference. I need him, you need him, we need him working in and through our lives to make us brave enough to do the impossible. Remember, this is a journey with lots of setbacks and restarts and apologies and missteps. What what does James say to include himself and extend it to us? For we all stumble in many ways. He gets it and he extends the grace to us. No, it shouldn't be this way. James is absolutely right. This is a clear demonstration we need Jesus, but we are in process. So what can we do? Well, first of all, we can exercise our words to make a positive impact. Maybe this is new to you. (laughs) You might need to practice finding people who make positive, impactful contributions in your circles. Watch them and then start finding ways to do what they do through your own personality. It's kind of like some people suggest if you're trying to lose weight, find a skinny person and eat like they do. You're going to do the same thing with positive people. Watch what they do. You're not going to copy them. You're not going to mimic them. You're going to do it out of your own personality. If you're a person who's negative and you have no idea how to transform your speech, find a positive person and emulate them, their patterns and habits and how they do that. The second thing is related to that. Build up. Resist the urge to tear down. It's like when you have a friend who's wearing an outfit that she asks your opinion about. It doesn't look good. (laughs) It actually does make her look larger than real life. And the style is not flattering. But this is not the time to tell her that. She's got a lot going on. And you search quickly up and down your friend to find that little nugget of gold in which you can capitalize on and give her that positive feedback she needs. And you find something like, I really like the way your teeth glisten with your hair today, (laughs) with your skin. You find something positive. That's the idea here. You want to build up. And some of you are going to be really stretching because you're used to being negative. Some of us are more of a glasses half empty kind of gal than the other. A glass is just overflowing and full. I'm a glasses half empty kind of gal. I get it. So this is something I'm going to have to work on. Uh, We tend to be super negative and quick to point out flaws and weaknesses. So this is something we can try here. All right. We're going to work on this. Another thing we can do is slow down. James, in the very first chapter, calls us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. When the urge rises to fill those empty, quiet pauses or be thinking of our response while the person is still speaking, we probably need to work on this one. This might be a clue that this is talking to us and we need to be slowing down, taking a mental chair and to sit a while and learn to listen to people. This is what James is trying to beckon us towards. Also, I would think the last thing would be to work on right now. There are ample other things we could do, but just right now, do what your mama taught you. If you don't have anything nice to say, you know, that's not the answer for all situations because we do have times when we need to be direct and come to the table and do some business. But just in terms of getting a blazing fire under control with your mouth, it's a good place to start. It's okay to be silent. Everyone doesn't need to know what you think. Honestly, it's really okay not to be talking. Now, it's not a license to disappear into your phone. That's not what we're talking about. I'm suggesting in relationships when the alternative has been to have a negative or less than helpful or uplifting impact, to practice not speaking. (laughs) All right, do what your mama taught you. Now, think about your own strengths and deficits. 
What is something you can focus on this week? We can't do it all, ladies. We can't do it all. We really need to work on this. You know you do. I know I do. James is using all of this time in his book to talk about it because it's an issue. The reality remains. The tongue is not tameable. We need Jesus. (laughs) But this is what's at stake. Our mouths are the greater part of us that people encounter in our daily life. It can very much be for them the hook for Christianity. This is what makes you and I look and sound different in everyday living to other people. It's what leads to maturity for the whole body. We need to take it seriously. Today, let's not move another inch until we stop. Ask the Lord to intervene in our hearts, in our minds, and in our very mouths to unleash our brave to make Him look glorious to others. Listen, you and I are not done with this series, but it's time to take a break for a few weeks. Look for the next episode to release at the beginning of the year. As always, I love being with you. This very much ministers to my own soul. Share it with a friend and drop us a line and let us know how God is using it to benefit you and uh, encourage you along the way. Merry Christmas, and I look forward to being with you again very soon. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing our resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.